0: Hi everybody, this is Gad In The Parasitic Mind, I discuss how it is a terrible idea for students to be taught that opposing views are a form of violence and that we need to create these pure, purified, these sterile echo chambers where only one's position is ever discussed because to be exposed to someone else's position is simply too triggering and therefore... You know, I discuss the whole echo chambers and trigger warnings and safe space and all that nonsense. And of course, that whole idea of antifragility, namely that in order for systems to function optimally, they need to be exposed to stressors, is something that I discuss in The Parasitic Mind I also discuss in my forthcoming book on the good life and happiness. Now, when you breed students, when you train students to be incredibly fragile, you coddle them, you you treat them as though they're, you know, dainty little flowers that need to always be protected, it never results in a good outcome. And I discuss these kinds of issues again in The Parasitic Mind, where I talk about, for example, the grotesque grade inflation that has taken place in certainly in American universities where, you know, the average grade used to be a C. Now the average grade in many uh, courses is an A. Everybody expects an A. Uh, and of course, this is something that I never play. Uh, I never acquiesce to. Uh, I believe that uh, the world is a competitive place. You need to train people for the real world. And the real world is hierarchical. People do develop dominance hierarchies, uh, you know, people. The world does assort you into uh, different categories of winners and losers, just like the upcoming World Cup, where someone will win and someone will lose. We're not all equal winners. We don't like trophy trophies and you know participation trophies and so on. But today, I wanted to talk about the the increasing rate at which the coddling is taking place. So it's not. It, you know, it's not as though we, we, we reached the zenith and now there is an auto-correction that's taking place where we're going back to old school tough education where we expect you know maximal uh, you know requirements from students. I mean, I certainly do in my courses, but do institutions do that? Absolutely not. So now you're seeing things like, well, you know, with COVID, students are no longer able to just sit for an entire class and just sit and listen. Oh, okay, maybe we should take every, you know, every five minutes a break and play with puppies. Now I'm also hearing, well, you know, they're just no longer used to taking exams because, you know, COVID. Oh, okay, sure, let's get rid of exams and this whole process of evaluating students because it's just too triggering after COVID. I've heard things like students have lost... The ability of taking notes is simply too stressful for them to do that. This is not; these are these are real conversation happening in real university meetings. Uh, you know, it's simply too much for them. You know, the pressure that they have these days with the, their busy lives to to be you know, for us to expect them to do assignments and stuff. I've discussed in the past the grotesque reduction in requirements to now get degrees. When I obtained an MBA. I got my MBA in 1990. I think it was 67 master's credits that I had to do. And I had to take an exam, uh, an entrance exam, to waive a math course because I was coming from mathematics. So it was two years of very, very heavy full-time work, five, six, seven courses a semester in order for you to finish in two years. The current MBA at my university, I think, has been reduced to 45 credits. You heard that light. Right, it's one third cut of a former full time MBA degree. What's the typical argument for why that is? Well, we need to, st- you know, you know, we we need to cater to student demands, the customers demands, and so you have an ever, you know, growing spiral of lunacy, whereby MBA programs keep cutting their requirements you know uh, drive by pick up a big Mac with fries and we'll give you an MBA at the drive-through uh, do seven jumping jacks four push-ups and you get an, a double MBA marketing and finance uh, you know submit a cool meme and you get a fried pickles uh, with an MBA because we've got to stay, you know, competitive in the marketplace and by competitive it means how do we attract more students and what does that mean it means reducing the requirements and the rigor so that that way you come to our school rather than go to those other schools that still have, you know, two year MBA programs and on and on and on and I don't mean to imply this is happening at my university uh, it's happening everywhere you just you look you look at the MBA programs from, you know, uh, 25 30 years ago to today completely different and and again pedagogically it makes no sense either we were all super dumb 25 years ago when we were doing our MBAs and the students today are so much smarter that they don't need to take all of the amount of courses in microeconomics and macroeconomics and statistics and quantitative marketing and finance and organizational behavior and uh, strategic management and managerial accounting and financial accounting, and on and on, and all the different courses and all of the different fields of business. Uh, apparently, now you can reduce it by one third. In many cases, people reduce it by one half. You could now do a one year MBA. How is that possible? And but now I'm going to come to arguably the 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 the. the and by the way, this doesn't just happen at MBA schools, it's it's happening all over the place, you know, get your doctorate online in two weekends. Uh, Are you interested in a PhD, JD in 35 minutes? Why don't you drive by for a cafeteria meal and you get your PhD and JD in less than 30 minutes? Are you tired of getting an MD degree in one of those north american schools why not come to one of the caribbean schools where you can get your md degree and your internship and residency in three weekends because it's accelerated you see you have to stay there all day it's just unbelievable education should be pursued for intrinsic reasons it's the highest most noble well, profession and pursuit because it's supposed to be in enrichment of your mind and therefore if there are certain requirements for you to get a, an undergraduate in in whatever field or an mba or a masters or a phd or an md or whatever it is uh, those requirements have been established for a very very long time and it doesn't make sense that today we grossly reduce the requirements because you know we need to stay competitive this is what happens when you take something that should not be commercialized and you turn it into just a, a commercialized entity whereby you are competing for customers students are not customers they are be, their minds are being trained i'm not i'm not making widgets i'm teaching an individual how to think in the world that's not something that is akin to selling widgets or kleenex or starbucks coffee It's the nourishment of your soul. That's what education is. Which brings me to a few additional points. At my school, we had a policy that was instituted during COVID, whereby a student could simply request a short-term leave, an absence no questions asked so it's like you press a pause button so let's say you had a group presentation whereby your entire group is relying on you to come and present if you exercise that pause well too bad if there is an exam and a student exercises that pause too bad meaning what the professor no longer has the right to ask for documentation as to why you're not coming you just institute that pause Because, you know, you may be stressed, you may have anxiety, whatever it is, but you don't have to tell us what it is. You exercise it. So now imagine you're trying to run a class. You have tons of students, all of whom have to sit through an exam. You have tons of students, all of whom have to do group projects. Imagine what happens when 5% of the students decide to exercise their pause and they decide to exercise it at different points. How do you run a course? You you, you create 73 different dates for the exam? How come I went through a decade of university where I understood that any exam that's listed is when it's listed, and if it doesn't fit my schedule, too bad, and if I have bronchitis, too bad, and if I have asthma, too bad? There are unique medical situations that require compassion and that we accommodate, but the level to which we accommodate now is insane. It is impossible to do your job. Where is that all coming from? Compassion. We need to help. We need to protect. That's not how you create a winning mindset in life. Life has difficulties. I never missed a lecture Because I was sick. I used to historically always have these unbelievable bouts of asthma and bronchitis. To the point where I might spend an entire night gasping for air. Because I was under a massive bronchial and asthmatic attack. I had a class the next day. I showed up. I took inhalers. Okay. Uh, I met my wife. I was lecturing at a... uh, uh, in-house executive education at a company and and one of the days that i was lecturing uh i I had a bronchitis and during the break she had gone to get me a tea without me having asked her that was one of the gestures that had you know i thought wow what a what a lovely woman this is something that i discuss in my forthcoming book on how to pick your spouse my point is that i didn't cancel anything i showed up i never missed an exam i showed up okay so the idea that we should, you know, it's becoming too onerous. I mean, students have to now read two books in a course. That's just too much. They're too busy. We've got to reduce the requirements. They're just too busy. They're too fragile. They now have post-COVID anxiety. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not making fun of actual anxiety and, and panic disorder. As I told you, and you've probably heard me mention this on uh, my I think it was the last appearance on Joe Rogan. Uh, Two summers ago, I had a panic attack out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere and it hit me like a freight train. So I understand what, you know, real, uh, you know, mental health issues are. You know, I suffered a panic attack once. Luckily, thank God, I haven't had another one. I can't explain why it happened. It's very, very scary. You think you're about to die. But taking an exam is anxiety-inducing and that's normal. Having a lot of work that you're feeling overwhelmed is normal. Feeling stressed out because there's so much work that you have to face as a university student, it's normal. Having to take a lot of notes is normal. We don't need to protect you from that. You don't get to press the pause button in life. You just marshal on. So we are doing a terrible disservice to all these grown adults. Sorry, the phone is ringing. All these grown adults who should be trained to be competitive, to be focused, disciplined, to have grit, to be persistent, to be creative, to be inquisitive. But instead, all that you hear from the upper echelon of the university is protection, protection, protection. Hashtag me too. Hashtag systems of oppression. Hashtag I'm a victim too. I am, I am. therefore, I'm a victim, and on and on and on. Get over it already. In my childhood, every single minute of every day in the Lebanese Civil War, I didn't know if I was going to live the next minute. I'm here today. I'm speaking to you. Even though I went through horrifying times in my childhood, it made me stronger. I persisted. I overcame. I'm not defined by any victimhood. Yes, universities have grades. Some people do well, some people don't. Yes, people live busy lives. doesn't mean you should be protected Does't mean you get a pause button Does't mean that uh, we should always be on the lookout so that you know you don't get scared or offended by other people's opinions and protected from other people's uh, ideological positions and on and on and on. It's unbelievable